It's the Atop the Pitbox podcast with your hosts, Zach and Josh. Good evening, Fantasy NASCAR race fans. Welcome to episode nine of the Atop the Pit Box podcast. I'm Zach Dick, along with my buddy Josh Rolfes, and we are here to talk all things Road America and look ahead to the second race at the newly paved Atlanta Motor Speedway. Josh, how's your day going? Hey, Zach, it's it's going pretty good. I didn't uh, I didn't get a chance to pound a Capri Sun before the podcast, but <laughs> so you're you're already doing a little bit better than me. But I got some water here, and so I'm I'm ready to go. You know what? Anything to keep keep the uh, man awake for this podcast. You know, <laughs> just want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, make sure to hit subscribe, uh, subscribe to the podcast to make sure that you are notified when new episodes drop. Reminder, uh, November 6th, we will be at the West Side with a little uh, party to celebrate the NASCAR season and watch the final race. So make sure that's on your calendar, November 6th, and jump in that Discord. We got a couple people in there. Zach's in there. Don't be afraid. Jump in that Discord, and uh, let's talk some NASCAR. So we're going to touch base here on the free agency wire. So we brought this up, what is this, uh, last week or two weeks ago now, but we, we mentioned, you know, Stenhouse is coming back, Truex is coming back. Well, some more news leaked this past week before the race, actually, which is kind of a coincidence here, but Richard Childress Racing announced that they picked up Tyler Reddick's team option for the 2023 season. He coincidentally goes, you know, obviously does his thing at Road America. So he is no longer a free agent for 2023. So it takes one more driver off the board, but he will be a free agent in 2024 uh, and probably will be one of the most sought after sought after drivers if if Richard Childress Racing doesn't lock him up, uh, you know, past the 2023 season. So there's three guys so far that are off the free agency list here for next year, and we'll see. You know, as as the season goes on, if any more drivers announce any contract extensions or, or how it all plays out, I think that's a a smart pickup from for Richard Childress. Obviously, the the win makes it look a little bit better, but he's he's had fast cars. He's he's a good driver, and I think that it's worth. You're not going to be able to replace him with with another driver that's you know better quality than than what he's able to do so i like the move i think it's a a smart one it will be interesting to see kind of where the dominoes continue to fall this season and then and then 2024 when he's an actual free agent yeah and if you if you look at that team so austin dillon and and tyler reddick are the two drivers for rcr austin dillon's a grandson to richard childress so i don't see him leaving that team anytime soon but you, you look at the on track performance tyler reddick has definitely been the better driver out of that stable uh, this year. And in most, you know, you look at the stats even last year, uh, they were pretty comparable, but it just seems like Tyler Reddick is is always running up front this year and, and outperforming Austin Dillon. So like you said, I think that is definitely a good pickup for them. It's a smart business move on their part. And we'll see if they uh, agree to another contract extension or if he becomes a free agent. Let's get into, into the race. So Road America road course what'd you think i had some high expectations going into last weekend i was yeah, really hyped excited. it up for me i know i was really excited to, to watch it especially with how fast that road course is 
but unfortunately with there's no with no cautions besides just the stage breaks it just became a pretty boring race not a lot of passing just another home race in my opinion according to Jeff Gluck's poll the fans agreed with my assessment there 55.6% of fans said the race was good to put that into perspective this is the third lowest yes or, or voltage total behind the all-star race in Martinsville. We know how bad the all-star race was. We know how bad Martinsville was. So that kind of puts it into context about, you know, how fans thought it was just a really boring race. And there are talks right now. I'm hearing rumblings on Twitter, seeing rumblings on Twitter that NASCAR might not be back next year to Road America. They might try to replace it with another I don't know if it would be a newer track or give another track that's on the schedule today a second race. So that'll be interesting to see if they do, you know, chalk about it a up. second Bristol concrete race. I, I'd be all about that. Two on two on concrete, one on dirt. Everybody I, wins. Everybody exactly. So again, we'll see. We'll see how that plays out. But fortunately, it just wasn't that entertaining of a race this past weekend. Yeah, I agree. I uh, I wanted to like this race. A lot. I, you kind of hyped me up on the podcast last week where we were talking about the elevation and the speed and, and you know I I kind of had hopes that it was going to be entertaining and and it really wasn't. But let's get into the uh, the stages. And stage one started out with Chase Elliott. You're going to hear that name a lot through this recap. Uh, he got out to the lead. He was battling Chase Briscoe, who's another really good road course racer. And Chase Elliott even had some steering wheel or steering issues in the beginning where he wasn't even being able to turn fully when he was, I think he was turning right. And so that was a, a an issue that he was even having to deal with at the beginning, leading the laps. And he wasn't really even close to, to anybody. Lap five, we had some action with Almarola and Kyle Busch spinning out. And it actually was separate incidents in the same corner. And because it's a road course and there's so much space there, there's just no caution. And and both cars just kind of got back on the track and, and got back in the race. Lap 13 is where we started to see some strategy from the teams and the green, uh, green flag pit stops. One thing that is unique about Road America, Zach, is the right-handed pit boxes. That's that is a unique challenge to these teams. Yeah, there's there's a couple road course you know tracks that I can think of where you know the pit the pit boxes are a complete reverse of what they typically are on these tracks. So you know teams have to adjust and practice for that. I, I don't recall too many mistakes on pit road uh, in regards to just ha- you know doing things backwards, but. Definitely something that they had to keep in mind before they went to the track. Yeah, I like it. It gives them a, a little bit of a little wrinkle for the teams, and they, you know, really test them and and make the best team win. So we had uh, Chase Elliott decided to pit and and keep his track position. He gave up the playoff point, so after leading the entire stage, he doesn't get any uh, playoff points. And so then we had the the pit stops and Hamlin drove through four pit boxes and the the broadcast was talking about because it's on the right side it's a little bit more challenging for the drivers to see but the 25th penalty for Hamlin this year just 
a crazy amount of adversity that he's had to go through. It is unbelievable how many how many penalties he he has accrued here this year to this point. You got to think he's so far he's got two wins. He's locked into the playoffs with those two wins. But if he keeps having the penalties like that come chase time, one or one of those penalties could come back to cost him. You know, advancing into the next round. So. Hopefully, you know, if you're a Denny Hamlin fan or a Toyota fan, they can get that stuff figured out before the playoffs start. But uh, 25 so far this year is just a crazy amount of penalties at, at this point in the season. Yeah. And so with the green flag pit stops, there were some teams that decided to stay out and, and get the playoff points and the stage points. And uh, Chase Briscoe decided to stay out and wins stage one. So he is your stage one winner. Jumping into stage two, Elliott back to the lead, uh, and again, just a fast car, just kind of cruising to the to the front, really just dominating. On lap 25, Reddick passes Larson for second, and this is really where we started to kind of see the speed of Reddick coming out and and flashes of what his car could do on this track. Also on that same lap, we had an interesting little uh, battle going between Logano and Bubba Wallace. They Logano kind of took out Wallace and they were spinning around in the gravel and obviously no caution because of, of the space. Um, Logano, his team went to Bubba and apologized saying that he just screwed up and we're going to see that revisited here later in the, in the race, but an, an interesting first, uh, <laughs> first incident between Logano and, and Wallace stage two, Ending the same way that stage one did, get to the towards the end of the stage, the green green flag pit stops. Elliott does the same thing, gives up the lead and the playoff points, pits again, and with two to go, we've we got the uh, the the quote unquote payback. Uh, Wallace got up by Logano, who drove off the track, and I when I watched that, I was it was looking like Wallace bumped Logano, and I thought there was going to be some some bigger fireworks but uh he just kind of scared him he didn't really get into him yeah so if you if you know you watch the replay there you can definitely tell Logano was was looking out his mirror when he was going into that corner just <laughs> expecting to get hit from Bubba Wallace and completely blew the corner he missed it and and you know Wallace didn't touch him he he did not touch him at all and you know Logano went off the track so you know when you think about the whole race in general that was probably one of the more exciting parts of the race uh, you know, those two going at it and, and Bubba not even touching Logano. So as a, as a Joey Logano hater, I, I love seeing him, you know, completely <laughs> biffing going into that corner. Yeah. He, 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 he definitely was looking up and, and seeing Wallace and he had to know it was coming. I mean, he, he would have done it if the roles were, were, if the roles were reversed, he was going to take him out. So, and it also speaks to this race that this was the most exciting piece of the race that, it, it, it wasn't really a, a an entertaining race, but with the with the cycle of pits, uh, the the green flag pit stops. Willie Byron, who had a pretty quiet day, wasn't really up to the front at, at any point throughout the race, and he had to pit twice due to a loose wheel. So does, no suspensions or anything because he caught it, but did have to pit twice. And the winner, the guy that decided to stay out, is. Norton's boy, Ryan Blaney. He wins the stage, but uh, the cost of winning that stage was track position, and, and it really cost him any chance to win this. 
these these teams as the race went on and and how these these road courses work these teams have to either choose to try to accrue stage points but then once the stage ends they know they're going to have to start at the back of the pack so the track position is gone or they do what chase elliott did the entire race you give up those stage points you sacrifice the stage win hoping to win the race at the end of the day which is more valuable than the stage points because if you win a race you get five playoff points come playoff time whereas a stage win only is only worth one point for the playoffs so it was interesting to see how these strategies played out and you know, Elliot, like I said, decided they were going to try to go for the win. And he was there at the end where these other guys that decided to take the stage wins like Chase, Chase Briscoe and Ryan Blaney, unfortunately, they get they get caught back in, in traffic and don't really make their way back up to the front at the end. Yeah, especially with no passing, with the, with the ability to to only pass in certain spots and, and really was limited the whole the whole race. You give up that that lead there's really you can't fight back like in another race type where you know car you see cars go from the 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 front to the back to the front to the back and um just wasn't able to do that on on this course so we get to the final stage and of course chase elliott is up at the front but he's got a uh he's got a fellow driver up there that's trying to take it away from him and tyler reddick battled chase elliott and elliott took the lead but it wasn't the last we were going to see from from Tyler Reddick. So 28 to go. Wallet, Bubba Wallace spins out into the gravel. Just kind of lost control of his car in the corner there. And 27 to go. Larson passes Chastain. It was a another interesting uh, little battle between between those two. And always interesting when, when Chastain's in the mix. Uh, 22 to go. Kozlowski had to go to pit road with an issue with his left rear tire and Kyle Busch, who has, we did not hear at anything from him all day, uh, was speeding on pit road. And I mean, he started from the back obviously. So with his, he had a, an issue with his car, but really was, was very quiet for, for Kyle Busch. I think at one point he was on the, the radio bitching about whining about his car. I, I, it's, I just can't stand him. As a as a guy that has two teams with Kyle Busch on that team, him not being a factor at all was unfortunate. And obviously, where he finished was a big hit fantasy wise, or not a hit, but at least you know hindered what could have been a decent day from a from a point standpoint. But like you said, he was a non factor the entire day between him spinning out and having a speeding road or a, a speeding penalty on pit row. That's that pretty much ruined any chances of him even finishing in the top twenty. And then we get to the the final uh, part of the race here where 16 to go, Reddick makes the move on Elliott and takes the quote-unquote lead because they had uh, there were people ahead of them that hadn't pitted yet. So technically it wasn't for the lead, but he passed Elliott for the first time all day. And with two laps to go, we thought maybe there was going to be a, a saving caution Austin Dillon had a flat tire. He was able to kind of find a, a path on the course to get off of the track. And Chase Elliott couldn't chase down Tyler Reddick. And Tyler Reddick gets his first career cup win. So congrats to Tyler Reddick. It was cool to see. Um, you got to think if, you know, I know that 
this probably wasn't going to be a caution because of the, uh, the, the type of course that it is, but it does come to mind that the all-star race where they threw the caution and everyone bitched and complained. And so I, I crossed my mind if it was something that uh, NASCAR was like, yeah, we're not going to throw this caution at the end of this, <laughs> this race and cost Tyler Reddick his, his win. So you wonder if there were, you wonder if there was any team orders there, you know, since Austin Dillon drives for Richard Childress and, and Reddick had the lead there. I didn't hear any, any chatter on the radio or anything, so I can't confirm or deny, you know, what happened, but you've almost got to think there were some team orders there where basically they told him to take the nearest exit he could <laughs> so that there wasn't a restart or a caution and basically, you know, screwed over his teammate or, or caused Reddick not to win his first race of the year. So Cause uh, if be- that goes, if that gets caution that you now have chase Elliott on a restart, I don't want to face that on a road course. In, in, in reality, I don't know if there was a restart. I don't know if those two drivers would have made it back to the to the white flag. I think there probably <laughs> would have been some pretty aggressive driving there. And I don't know if they would have made it back to the white flag, let alone the checker flag. So unfortunately, we'll never know how, how that would have ended. But like you we said, won't. it was nice to see Reddick win that race. And, you know, we've we've talked about this on past episodes. Reddick. Yep. Was a first-time winner this year. That makes number thirteen this season. One win closer to that number sixteen. <laughs> I'm telling you, I think there's a chance here. There's only eight races left, so you need three winners. But with another, you know, two more road courses, Daytona and Atlanta, it is definitely not out of the realm of possibility. So I've been on record saying that I didn't think this was going to happen, and now we're getting we're getting now closer where I. I think I've switched. Now I want to see the chaos. I want to see. I, I'm, I want all new winners. Like, let's go. Like, I want to. I'm in. Uh, now that we're getting this close, it's it's exciting. It's obviously cool to see first time winners. And I I'm in. I, I hope that we uh, we see more. And I, I can't wait. It's I bring on the chaos. I think it would be fun to see, man, the, the chaos, the chaos would be an understatement for these teams. They would be absolutely <laughs> scrambling, you know, that last race before the, before the playoff starts at Daytona. And I think that the aggressiveness level at that track would just be through the roof, even more than it already is. You look at the standings today and you think you, you're looking about, you know, you're looking at drivers that don't have any wins this year, the the first two or three that come to mind to me, you got Ryan Blaney who sits second in points with zero wins, and you see Martin Truex who sits in seventh with zero wins. Christopher Bell is in eighth with zero wins. So those are three guys that are in the top ten points wise who don't have a race win under the belt. So that I mean, just say for some crazy reason those guys do get a win here in the next eight races that gets you to 16 wins and you've got other good drivers knocking on, you know, getting in or out in regards to that 16th and final spot there. So again, I don't know if it's going to happen. I don't think it probably will, but like you said, from a fan and entertainment standpoint, if we could somehow get 15 winners before Daytona, <laughs> yes. all bets are off, man. Yes. All bets are off. Why not do the playoffs where you have to win to get into the playoffs? Why why do teams that don't I mean you can point your way in, I guess, but and I guess that's consistency, but if you don't win, shouldn't it be a win and you get in? 
Well, again, you look at when they change to this type of strategy, a win essentially locked you into the playoffs because there is 13 winners to this point. It is just a crazy number of winners. And again, the whole logic behind that is the next gen car. It, even the playing field, the driver's talents are now being shown. It's a win-win for NASCAR in regards to what the next gen car has done. But historically, you look back, there, there may be 12 or 13 total winners in an entire season. So to say that there's 13 winners with eight races to go before the playoffs, that's just crazy. So <laughs> NASCAR has never been in a situation where it is today thinking, wow, six, there might be 16 winners before the end of the regular season, which, again, is great from an entertainment standpoint. It's great from a viewer standpoint. I'm sure NASCAR is loving it. More exposure, more media equals more dollars. So, all in all, this is just setting up to be, you know, just a crazy storyline here come Daytona. And Chase Elliott's got two wins, so um, I don't really care. Yeah, I say he's locked in, man. Him and Denny Hamlin. You look at Denny; he's like in twentieth in points. He's he's had a terrible, inconsistent year, but he's got those two wins under his belt. So he's still, you know, he's locked into the playoffs. I think he was. Norton had tweeted out at one point that he was the worst one of the like maybe bottom three fantasy drivers of the year and he is he has two wins and the rest of the races are are trash yeah are 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 awful awful finishes so very interesting and i am i'm now on team uh chaos and let's let's get some winners (laughs) and that's a little uh a little preview for my my pick coming in uh, for Atlanta. So, love to hear. Let's <laughs> <laughs> let's get into the fantasy discussion. We've got a team average of sixty six for last week. The top ten, though, Zach, we had a quite the shakeup in in this uh, in this week. We had four teams that fell out of the the top ten, and some big movers moving into the top ten. Unfortunately for the rest of us, the top two teams did not uh, change. Taylor Schleiss stayed at number one, and Tammy Colby stayed at number two. And when I look at Taylor's team, I I can only think about what if, because to start the year, if you remember, Taylor and I had the same team. And then he, as a rookie, I've been playing this for five years. This guy comes in, swaps out Tyler Reddick for Ross Chastain early. He was one of like the first three or four people to do it and has been at the top of the, the fantasy standings the whole time. So I stuck with with Tyler Reddick and, and in paying the price. So interesting uh, narrative there for, for Taylor. It was it was a bold move there with how early he pulled the trigger. Chastain obviously is having one of the best years fantasy-wise. But don't give up on Tyler Reddick just yet. You know, I know the, the door finally opened. He got his first win. He was knocking on the door. You know, Bristol dirt. He got taken out by Chase Briscoe. The, there's been quite a few tracks where he is. You know, he's been in contention. He's been knocking on the door. So now that the door is finally open, you wonder if the floodgates are are you know going to happen. And, and he went, you know wins one, two, three more races at the end of the year. So don't <laughs> give up yet on Tyler Reddick, but. That move by Taylor looks pretty, pretty good right now. Yeah, impressive, impressive to to recognize that and and take the risk and the gamble's worked out and and he's the the number one 
team by far. So we have a new number three. Steve Rolfus, number four, jumped up two spots. In number four spot is Bigger Sandwich, who jumped up 10 spots. Boo. A, thank you, thank you, thank you. Had a, a point total of 28 points. So pretty good week for, for Bigger Sandwich. Obviously, when you uh, jump up 10 spots, you expect a low, a, a low fantasy point. So uh, number five, we had Richard Rainey who jumped up two spots. Number six, who is uh, is new to the top 10, Ryan Brash, number two, up six spots. Number seven, also new to the top 10, is Adam Holtz, who moved up ten, uh, moved up eight spots. And then in the eighth spot, I think this is the first time he's been in the top 10, is it? Crazy I Dale, it number two, <laughs> up 12 spots to number eight. And then the two teams that lost spots from last week, Dennis Musich was down six, and Zach Dick, number two, down one to number nine. Of all those teams, Dennis Musich was the only one that had a fantasy point total above the team average. He had 76 versus an average of 66. So uh, a lot of good movement. Love to see some people that are back in the top 10, some people that have fallen out, some new ones. It's uh, it's getting down to the uh, to the end of the season here. If you think about what a road course does, you've got two more road courses. You've got Atlanta. You've got Daytona. I think you're going to see movement like this in at least those four races, if not more, here before the playoffs start. So, movement like this is crazy, but it's not to be unexpected when you have you know the tracks that we do uh, on the schedule here before the playoffs start. So, with four new teams into the standings that means four teams fell out you hate to see this but big sandwich fell uh to p17 adam studer number two fell to p12 tracy norton number one p11 and uh brian brockman to p29 and we're going to talk about him in a minute but 95 fantasy points last week uh a rough a rough day for the uh brian brockman team so if you look at the risers this week, Kinnick Rolfus. Yeah, let's, AK, let's, let's look at the risers, Zach. AK, I can't wait. For this. We're just going to talk about the Sandwich family here, guys. <laughs> let's, let's, I love the it. Sandwich family is taking over the risers. We're going to do some in- investigative work here. I think some funny business is going on, but the Sandwich family is two of the biggest risers this week. Kinnick Rolfus went from P56 to P37. Reagan Rolfus went from P37 to P20. Dan Grable, number two, went from P62 to P44. So he's he's breaking up the sandwich family there. But <laughs> look at you look at those three teams, Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson, a couple Chastains, and a couple Bushers, all had pretty solid weeks. So that's going to help you when it comes to fantasy standings. And you look I at the I just want to say, hold on, before we get to fallers, I just okay. want to say, for clarification, Reagan, who's my daughter, she's 10, she picked her own team. I told her the the how it worked, how the, the numbers correspond, and told her you have to f- get 80 points, spend 80 points. So she picked her team. Kinnick, I picked for him. He's two, so he's not going to pick his own team. So <laughs> that just means... You know, I had I, my my other team had a good week, so it's associated to him. But he didn't pick that one, so I'll, I'll give you that. But uh, Reagan 
and Jasmine both did pick their own team. So I just want that to be on record. With an asterisk, asterisk, (laughs) dad heavily influenced the Chase Elliott pick. He is on every single one of the the Rolfus Sandwich clan. I can't help that. If, If they, if they see if they see me watching a winner and and know that they want him on the team, I, I can't help that. They're just very smart fantasy NASCAR uh, picked driver picker. So um. we were we were talking before we, we we recorded this. Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson, those will probably be one of you know two of my favorite drivers. Once Truex and Kyle Busch are no longer in NASCAR, but because of the Sandwich family all having Chase Elliott, and you probably will do the same thing from here on out. I'm going to have to start rooting against Chase Elliott. I'm sorry to say. I mean, that's that's your own loss. Um, I don't want you as his, as, his, as his fan anyways. Um, so it, that's good. You can you can have those other drivers pick somebody else. But um, I just Come wanted on. to clear the I just wanted the record to be stated and cleared that if so, if Reagan does and Jasmine do well, that they did pick their own teams and they deserve the credit. And not me. So I just want to Being make sure. heavily influenced by dad. Yep. We got it. Got it. Your conscience, <laughs> hey, <man>. your conscience <laughs> is clear, buddy. It is. It is. It's clear. All right. Now you can so. go to the, now we can go to the fallers. Now we go. All right, thanks for adding that in. Good, good week go. by the sandwich family. Good week. Fallers. Rich Baird went from P35 to P57. Uncle Rob Rolfus went from P44 to P65. And as you mentioned a little bit earlier, Brian Brockman went from P10 to P29. You look at those guys, you look at their teams, Kyle Busch, Joey Logano, Brad Kay, Kurt Busch, Eric Jones was involved in a wreck. You know, Kevin Harvick didn't have a good week. So that contributed to the falls there in regards to the biggest fallers of the week. Yeah, Brian Brockman was the... uh... He went from in the top 10 to out of the playoffs after that road course. So it was Kyle Busch and, and Harvick did not have good, they're not good road course racers. So obviously that, that total was hurt by them. If you, and if you think about it, let's, let's spin this on to a positive note that just shows you how log jam these standings are. Or if you have one bad week, and, and by a bad week, you, you scored roughly, what, 40 to 50 points more than, or actually 30, 29. 20, 29, 29 points more than the average, and you fall out of the, from P10, you're in the top 10, and you fall out of the, the playoffs to P29, that just shows you how tight these standings are, and it's going to be that way until the playoffs start. So again, from an entertainment standpoint, and from you know the entries here in fantasy, if you're you're in the top fifty to top fifty five, you've got a chance of still getting in with eight races left. When we look at the the rookies, we talked about Taylor Slice in in first spot. Patrick McMeekin is in P eighteen. Bush Bush Busher P twenty four. He's been hanging around the playoffs that playoff line all season. So good to see him in the uh, in the playoffs. Mark Paulson is in P26, and JP, who is at Omaha JLP, uh, is in P34. So a rough couple weeks for JP. Maybe it's the the podcast jinx. He came on the podcast, and and his team has has been uh, falling apart. Let's hope not. Let's hope not. We're not going to get any more guests on our I podcast think, if they're, I if think they're we afraid. Just, 
I think we just uh, booked our guest for next week. It's going to be Taylor Schleiss. So <laughs> we are going to be or we've been trying to have Taylor on in all honesty. Uh, his schedule was pretty hectic in in June, uh, but July should be better. So we are going to actually try to have Taylor on here uh, pretty soon. So hopefully if any <laughs> hopefully sooner than later, if there is a podcast jinx and we can we can uh, help him out with that. So it's like the, let's let's hope if you're you know you're looking up at Taylor in the standings that this becomes the Madden jinx of the Madden <laughs> yeah. you know football days. We'll exactly. see. We'll see if we make it happen, but we do need to get him on the podcast. So, looking at the playoffs, the first spot to twenty fourth actually increased to one hundred and one points. Uh, Taylor is starting to run away with this one. He's got a thirty one point lead, and um, I'm just kind of tired of talking about Taylor's victories and and leading this. So, um, last four in would be Justin Norton, number three. Adam Studer, Carl Edwards, and Bush, Bush, Busher. The first four out, if the playoffs started today, would be Mark Paulson, Amy Weiss, Dan Grable, number one, and Brian Brockman. So Dan Grable, correct me if I'm wrong, is the guy that finished first and third like two years ago, right? Yeah, I think it was three or four years ago. But yes, he is the man, the myth, and the legend where he had two top or two teams in the top three in one year. Which is in, impressive. Uh, but he's been very quiet this season. I, we haven't really we haven't really talked about his teams this this year. So Dan Grable having an off an off year. He's I guess he is human. He he is human, but give him credit. You know, that team is hung in there and, and they're knocking on the on the door to making the playoffs. And if he can somehow sneak in, you reset the playoffs based on on who gets in, so it's anyone's game at that point, so don't count him out just yet. All right, let's look at Atlanta. So if you think about Atlanta, this will be the second time that we or that NASCAR goes there this year. Hey, Zach, how did you feel about the first time we went to Atlanta? You know, you know, it's not my favorite track, Josh. <laughs> uh, I absolutely hate what they have done to Atlanta Motor Speedway. It's going to win you over of, this. It's going to win you over this week. Watch. A lot of drivers are, are in Team Zach's camp where they just are not fans of what they did. The track's just not wide enough to make it three wide, so you're basically stuck in a two by two. You're, you're stuck in a two wide line where if your line doesn't move, you're, you're pretty much stuck there. So that's what I hate about the track. Again, I am a huge Daytona and Talladega fan. I love that type of racing. Uh, my favorite driver was Dale Jr., and he he used to be so good at those racetracks. So that's what made it fun as a fan watching those races. But Atlanta's just not wide enough to to have it as a super speedway race. But unfortunately, that's what they did to that track. So, so we're gonna keep do... an eye on. Hold on, keep an eye on the passing. So Zach says there's no passing. There's no passing. So let's watch the race and let's so, see the passing. So, so you got to understand where I'm coming from here. There's passing. But it's literally one driver edges the other driver at the finish line, and then the other driver nudges back because he gets more of a run, and it's just those guys trading each and every single time. So you want to look at the total number of drivers who lead laps. It's not like an intermediate track where you've got multiple leaders. Where it's an exciting race. Here it's just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So, again, this is one of my least favorite tracks now. But we'll see what the poll says at the end of this weekend. And maybe the second time around, these teams will have figured out something where it makes it more exciting from a fan standpoint. But 
we'll see uh, we'll see how it goes this weekend. But I'm going to do something different here since we started the podcast after the first Atlanta race. I'm going to do Zach's track facts of the old Atlanta and then throw in a new Atlanta here at the end. So with that being said, Zach's track facts number one of the evening. The Atlanta Motor Speedway de- debuted in 1960, and four of the original five owners, so there was a group of five guys, and four of the five owners essentially filed bankruptcy before the track was built. There was just so many, so many issues that came up that four of the guys essentially just ran out of money, left one guy there, and coincidentally, you know, he was able to finish it out and at least get the track built. But this will lead into a new fact here and a couple couple facts here. But uh, the Atlanta Motor Speedway, this is fact number two, is one of seven original NASCAR tracks that were greater than one mile long. The other three that are in existence today and still ran on the schedule are Charlotte, Daytona, and Darlington. So I thought that was interesting. You know, these guys call them the Blue Bloods. They've been there since, you know the old days or the early days. So I thought that was an interesting fact. Back to the financial struggles here with Zach's track facts number three of the evening. Atlanta has suffered numerous financial setbacks throughout the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And it got to the point where they eventually had to sell the racetrack and they sold it to a guy by the name of Bruton Smith. And if that name rings a bell, he unfortunately just recently passed away um, a week or two ago, but he bought the track in 1990 and give him credit, completely revitalized Atlanta, added multiple suites, bigger grandstands, uh, redid the infield, just made it what it is today. So give him credit. His company is called Speedway Motorsports and they own seven of NASCAR's tracks today. And if you remember the All-Star episode, we were knocking on, you know, knocking on a Texas hating on Texas. Well, his company owns Texas. So when I brought up, you know, there's politics involved in NASCAR where you have two big companies own a majority of the racetracks. Unfortunately, his company is one of them. So that's why I just don't know if if Texas will ever be taken off the schedule. But that's that's a conversation for a different day. Zach's track facts number four. Right after the July 2021 race in Atlanta, is when they literally the next day, that Monday, they brought out bulldozers, cranes, the whole nine yards and started tearing down the, the speedway pavement. And they were able to get it repaved and ready for this spring race in Atlanta, which is just a crazy feat in and, in and of itself with how fast they were able to get this turned around. But as I mentioned earlier, the spring race at Atlanta was the first time in this new configuration. They tried to make it similar to Daytona and Talladega. I'm not a big fan yet, but hopefully the NASCAR teams figure out some stuff to make it more exciting from a, from a fan standpoint. Because the spring race was the first time there with this new reconfiguration, I figured it'd be nice to you know just briefly discuss what happened in that race. Just if you don't remember or you didn't watch that race to begin with, but Willie Byron dominated and won that race. He led 111 laps. The race had 11 cautions with 28 of the 37 entries in the field either being <laughs> part of a caution or sustaining damage in the caution. So that just showed you basically was a demolition derby. 
<laughs> similar to most super speedway races. So that's not to be, you know, that's not surprising to me. I love that. To your point, and this is where a lot of t- people are arguing that Atlanta was a great race, is there was 46 lead changes. So there was a lot of lead changes, but again, passing just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and still forth. Battles. They're still battling. They're still uh, again racing hard. If you're if you're four or five drivers back in that line, there is nowhere for you to go. You are single-handedly at the mercy of whether that line can generate enough draft to somehow get past the bottom or the top lane, whichever you're in, which is my biggest complaint of Atlanta. If you're at Daytona or Talladega, you can go three wide, you can go in the middle, you can do things to try to create runs and try to give yourself a chance to get to the front. Atlanta, you just can't do it. You're at the mercy of the line, and basically you're just stuck where you're at. But those lines at Daytona and Talladega, you you can't just jump in the middle and you're gonna pass, you know, the leaders. You're you're gonna need push from from behind. It just is another. It allows for a a, a third lane. But how many times do you see somebody that tries to make a move and loses all their momentum, falls in the middle? And they go from sixth to nineteenth. So it happens. It happens. But at least they have that option. I mean, the middle can work if they get enough drafting partners with them. And as you see, you know, at the end of the stages and at the end of the race, they're three wide coming to the checker flag, if not four wide. Atlanta, you just can't have that. You've got two wide, and that's all you got. So that again, that's my biggest complaint of the track. Well, let's see if let's see how many. Let's keep an eye on how much three wide racing there is and and maybe i'll concede that point i i feel like i remember some three wide racing in atlanta um but i will uh i'm gonna keep an eye on that we'll 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 revisit this uh when we talk about atlanta next week so gives us something to pay attention to and gives us something to talk about the next podcast but yeah pay attention see if they go three wide and if they do somehow some way go three wide see how long it lasts i'm going to guarantee you if they do go three wide there is about no every way. time they go three wide, we tweet at Zach at ZJD eight eight. Is that eighty eight because it's your birthday, or is that because of no. like Dale Junior? That was that was Dale Junior's number when I created that Twitter account. Dale Junior fan through and through. That's that's the sole purpose behind the number eighty eight. So yeah, again, pay attention if they do go three wide. See how long it lasts. I can guarantee it doesn't last very long. They go back into two wide racing, which again is the biggest part of why I hate the new Atlanta Motor Speedway. With that being said, you look at that race, there was a lot of tire issues, a lot of right rear yes, tire issues. So we'll see again, second time around, if if the teams figured something out. Hopefully they did, because I don't want to see that many tire issues, especially at a super speedway race where one wreck or one mistake can bottle up and, and create havoc and basically take 5, 10, 15 cars out at one time. Looking uh, at... The Atlanta race was the one, two, three, four, fifth race. <clears throat> so Atlanta was the fifth race of the season. So teams were still pretty, pretty new to to the car and actual race conditions. And I gotta, I gotta say, I don't really think we've had many tire issues like we had at the start. So is is it? I mean, we did have a you know, I think one. Keselowski had a tire issue last week, but I mean, it was a road course. So I don't know how the tires usually hold up on those courses, but um, I don't know if did they, have they maybe figured this out. 
let's hope let's hope they do but unfortunately when you're at a super speedway race track it's just a completely different ball game than a road course or your normal intermediate speedway type tracks much faster more banking so the loads of the car are in different spots instead of you know having to be on you know say the middle or the left side when you're going into the corners at these super speedway tracks the the, the uh, weight and all that stuff is going to be really hard on that right side which again is what was causing the right rear tire issue so again like you pointed out i hope they have it figured out because i don't want one driver or, or one crew chief's mistake to then take five or ten guys out, just thinking from a fantasy standpoint. Um, but these guys are smart. These teams have all all the data and all the stats that they need to hopefully figure out a way not to have these tire issues come this weekend. So we uh, got into our picks last week, and for the second time this year, my driver has been close to winning and and really should have. I mean, I'm glad Tyler Reddick won. I'm happy for him. But Chase Elliott should have won that race. He was the leader for most of it. And he didn't win. So now I got to I gotta focus on Atlanta. Or, fo- yeah, focus on Atlanta and make a pick. And I already kind of gave a little bit of uh, hints at, at who this might be. But I'm going to let you go first and tell me who your awful pick is going to be for Atlanta. <laughs> Wow, man. Thanks for setting the stage there. Awful pick. Really, I mean, really kind. been awful. You have, you're, you have not been close. So, Well, again, I've, I've been picking with my heart. It hasn't, it hasn't been even close uh, most, of this, most of the time. So I'm going to switch it up. I'm going to go completely, completely out of left field here. And again, you want chaos, you want a new winner, you want this to get to 16 winners or, or more before the end of the regular season. You want chaos, let's get chaos. I'm going to pick Ryan Blaney. Ryan Blaney, I, I don't even know what he, what odds he's getting this weekend, but he's usually, Penske forwards are usually pretty fast at these super speedways. He's on my fantasy team, so of course I want him to do well. He finished in the top, uh, where did he finish? He finished the 17th here at Atlanta. This spring, but again, uh, first time there, he did lead 15, lead 15 laps. So he was there at the front for a little bit of the race. Again, I want to see chaos. I'm going to go with Ryan Blaney, a complete left field pick for me. We'll see how it plays out. Who are you going with this weekend? Can you can you see what I wrote on this paper right here? Okay, keep it still. Sorry. Oh, Ryan Blaney. <laughs> you can't make so, this up you can't so, make this up so i, I i'm not gonna pick the same per- driver that you are i do think that ryan blaney is a really good pick for all the reasons that you you outlined and when i when i was going through and i and I, I mentioned i switched to to being team chaos i was like well let's get ryan blaney let's make norton happy um so now i need to find another driver well, let, let me throw out a driver here, and you can just tell me what your thoughts are, if you want to go that okay. route. So, All right, who you got? Another driver who doesn't have a win this year, who is usually pretty fast at these super speedway tracks. He was toward the front here at, in Atlanta before he was collected up in a late, a late lap caution or a wreck. He does have one win under his belt in his career, which coincidentally happened at a super speedway race, he's been 
bit with really bad luck on pit road and racing gods just haven't been on his side yet. But again, your team chaos. What about Bubba Wallace? <laughs> Bubba Wallace. That's an interesting, it's an interesting, that's an interesting one. Hold on. Let me, let me look at something here. Just, just throwing it out there. That's another guy I could see, you know, winning this weekend. And I think I think a majority of people would be completely fine with Blaney or Wallace winning, based on them being pretty likable guys and their friends too, which kind of makes it a cool story in in and of itself. Super Speedways since 2019. I'm guessing Harvick's got to be up there. He is. He's 9.4. Martin Truex Jr. is is fifth, or average finish is fifth, uh, but no wins. Three top Eric, fives. Eric Jones has had fast cars at Super Speedways. I, I mean, you know there's what? So many choices. You know what? I'm. This is gonna be. I'm going since you took my driver. You're gonna take my driver. You're gonna take <laughs> my boy. I know where this is going. I'm gonna take Martin Truex, and you're gonna Love be it. picked when when I pick him, and no. and he he. So I'm gonna take Truex. You can have Blaney, but we need to decide what the the what are we wagering here so we need to figure out what the what the bet is have you had did you think of anything i haven't i haven't thought about it so let's throw out some ideas here again the first thing i thought of on last week's podcast was you just put money in a jar whoever wins or picks the most winners correctly at the end of the season gets gets the jar of money well i was thinking we should do something a little more fun uh like the loser gets a pie in the face or so, you know, the loser could get a pie in the face. You could make you get a Merry Christmas tattoo across your chest. Uh, oh, no. so, so you're basically turning this into almost impractical jokers. So, I was kidding about the, tat- I was, ki- I was kidding about the, the tattoo, but there was a, a guy that was at this, uh, this swim up bar and he had a Merry Christmas tattoo across his chest like uh it was please tell me you asked what he did i did not oh man i would have went up to him immediately and just said what did you do what bet did you lose to get something like that i mean he obviously lost something so um but something i was thinking a little you know something outside the box um you know uh i don't know maybe let's uh let's let's figure out something here before this before sunday and we will inform our podcast listeners, the millions upon <laughs> millions of our podcast listeners, what we have we'll come tweet up out, with. We'll tweet out the. We'll tweet out what the the, the uh, I guess punishment is. And the, so the way I was thinking of this would be each week we would pick. So we would set a punishment or whatever the wherever we're wagering, and then once somebody wins that, then we pick another another thing. And so if it's like pie in the face or it's, you know, I don't know, whatever it is. Yep. And then I got you. So we might only have one. We might only have to do one thing. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling game. pretty good. Uh, so we'll tweet out what that, uh, what that wager is once we figure that out before the race on Sunday. Well, you, so that you, you might be going off some false hope here because again, I told you I was, I was picking with my heart. I'm done with that now that now that we've got some something on the line and I'm going with my head. So hopefully this new strategy plays out well for me. It, the, Truex is going to be doing circles at the end of the race. And, and you know what? I'll gladly. I'll you know what? Let's just set set the uh, first punishment now. Pie in the face. 
I will gladly take a pie in the face if Martin Truex gets a win. Okay, but I didn't say what kind of pie. Well, let's hope it's cherry or strawberry with lots of whipped cream. It could be like mushroom and anchovy pie. No, you wouldn't do that to me. Wouldn't do it. Do you know me? I know. You're right. I'm trying to use reverse psychology on you. (laughs) I would absolutely do that. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, you're throwing a pot pie in my face. That's what you're saying? I I just saying that I never said it was going to be a yummy pie. That would be uh, okay. put in your well, face. Whatever, man. We'll we'll figure it out. And <laughs> again, Martin Truex Jr. winning would be fantastic, and I will gladly accept whatever punishment or whatever pie flavor you want to create <laughs> or buy um, for him to be in victory lane this weekend. Good. All right. Done. We'll figure out what the wager is. Um, and if you have, if anybody listening has a suggestion or something they'd like to see. Zach uh, have to do when he loses. Uh, let us know. Tweet at us and send us an email. Just get a hold of us. Jump in the Discord and and let us know there. Uh, but just let us know your thoughts and we'll uh, we're open to them. So Zach, been a pleasure speaking with you this week as always. And we will speak again next week when we are looking at Atlanta. And you're gonna have to eat your words about how bad Atlanta is. I, I, I can't wait. At, Z, at ZJD88, everyone, tweet at him every time there's three wide or you're enjoying the race or, you know, just let him know that uh, Man. how good of a race it is. My, my phone's going to be pretty silent this weekend, Josh. There's going to be nothing. That's if you're you turn it on to silent be... and you watch the race at 9 o'clock at No, night. it's because there's, there's going to be no three wide action and I'm going to get no tweeting because of it, so... And you know I what? If that's, case, if that's the case, I'll I will come on and and I will eat my words as well. So we'll we'll have to see what happens in Atlanta. So no, sounds All right, good, Zach. buddy. Excited for that. Excited for the weekend. We'll see how it plays out. Have a good week. It's no days off. Take no breaks. You in my lane. You in my way.